Well, it is with great pleasure here on the Voluntary Tackle Podcast to welcome yet another league legend to chat with us today. Uh, the man we're about to speak with has played 250 NRL matches, a whopping 335 games when you factor in stints in England, as well as a very well-capped representative career, which saw him play 17 games for New South Wales and make 22 appearances for the Australian Kangaroos. We are extremely grateful to have a Tigers legend, Gary Jack, on the other end of the phone. Welcome to the show, Gary. Yeah, thanks, Damon. Look, it's very nice to speak to you and your listeners, and um, it should go well for a great little conversation for the next hour long we speak. <laughs> thanks, mate. Well, that's certainly my hope. I'm sure it will be. Mate, I, yeah. I noticed in doing my research uh, for this interview, I, I actually um, didn't realise you debuted for the Magpies in 81. Uh, it said yes, you played six definitely. games. Can, can you tell me how you how you ended up debuting at West and obviously how you ended up moving across to the Tigers the next year? Yeah, yeah, sure. Look, um, I'm from Wollongong originally, grew up there, and I played for the West Red Devils down there, which is the same club that Steve Roach was from. Um and then I uh, played under what, my first year in grade was when I was 1980. Paul Sait was our coach there. We actually won the competition in 1980 under Paul Sait. And I had no intentions to go to Sydney. I just um, wanted to have a good year the following year and maybe be in selection for maybe country, um, country first at that stage. And uh, a guy called Duty Taylor, who played for um, the Magpies back in the 50s, he's owned the Yundara Hotel that we used to drink at. Um, nice. They organised a training, a training run for me there just to get fit for the pre-season um, with Roy Masters uh, at the start of, I think it was about uh, early January 81 and I'd travel up there three times a week uh, and train um, for about, about four or five weeks just and then just to get fit for that down at Wollongong and then I played a couple of trials and um, I was actually, you know, I must have impressed with my training and that sort of stuff and played it and they offered me a game, a couple of games and then I thought this is okay and then um, Roy Master said he wanted me to, to come to West and I had no intentions of going to West. I, I said no to Roy originally. I said no, no, mate. No, I, I don't want to. No, they're, they're too big for me. No, yeah. no, I'm staying at Wollongong. Anyway, he sort of convinced me and my dad into that I, that I should come up. It was good for my career and um, yeah, so, so I, I came up in 81 and I, I played um, the majority of that year in, uh, in reserve grade. I played about 17 reserve grade and uh, about six first grade. Um, I was only 20 at that stage. In fact, Gary Dowling was the um, the first grade fullback at the stage. Um, so I was there, for, had, had a really good year. We won the premiership in reserve grade uh, in, in 81 and Laurie Fry was our coach. Bit of instant and, success um, there. Yeah, that was that was that was great. Like, yeah, West was a, look, at those days back in '81. I remember sitting on the on the bench when Manly played West, and I think it was first game '81, and that's when like the Silver Tails and the Fibros was at its peak. Yeah, right. And John John Donnelly had his finger bitten down to the bone, and he said he showed it to me. I said, "Oh my God, I said, how can you play this game? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy out there." And there we sitting on the bench. Hope for Christ's sake, I hope Roy Masters doesn't put me on because I don't know what I'm going to do. I absolutely scared the shit out of me. And uh, and uh, yeah, so that, it was that sort of. It was just a really intense time to play footy, and uh, it was five meter rule, and it was a lot of stuff that people got away with that they wouldn't get away with now. And uh, and uh, it was just uh, you know I, I, I wasn't an instant success. Let me tell you, I played my first grade debut, and I got dropped after my first game. So you know um, it wasn't success straight away. Let me tell you. It, um, uh, I had to wait a long time to get back. I think it was four months before I got back into the first grade team again. But wow. you know, it's all a learning process, and um, 
you know, uh, end of that end of that year, I finished in first grade. Um, the last four or five games, I played first grade, and and the Steelers were coming in in, in uh, Illawarra Steelers in '82, and uh, West wanted me to stay. Steelers were coming in. Canberra offered me a contract as well. So too did South Sydney. They offered me a contract through Paul Sait. You're, so a, a, you're a man in demand there, Gary. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I, I should have had my manager sort of spruiking me up against everyone else like they do these days. Yeah, that's right. Would have up, would have up the ante. <laughs> <laughs> I would have thought, yeah. being from Wollongong, mate, that uh, with the Steelers coming on board, was that something yeah. you, in the back of your mind you've gone, oh, that'd be great to play for my, my hometown? Uh, yes and yes and no, to be honest with you. Look, I, I, really, I knew they were going to struggle early on when they came in the competition. And, and I, look, I, it, uh, it was a good chance for me to to go to a stronger team. And also the, the Roosters were there as well. They were after as well. So I had a, so I, I really didn't want to, you know, I know I was going to take them a few years to, to establish themselves. And if I could get into a, to a good side, um, then that, that was going to be, I thought, better for my career at that stage. And, you sure. know, say so I say get into a better side. Balmain finished last in 1981. <laughs> 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 so, so it was more an opportunity. To Bit of a yeah, a hole in the theory there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I should have just stayed to the Steelers. <laughs> so you know, that's that's how you think as a twenty-one. You know, I'll go to an opportunity. These two, these two coming last, and so there you go. And um, and that's how I end up. Well, Keith Barnes actually came down to my house. He had, we had a, a mutual friend. I was best mates with a guy called Mark David. And his his dad was very good friends with Barnes and. In fact, uh, Noly Yeomans was his name, and he recruited uh, Blocker up there from from Wollongong. Nice. He recruited Alan McMahon up there to um, in the seventies to Balmain. So Noly Yeomans and, and Barnsley come knocking at my door one day, um, and just said, "That's just turned up." And said, "Can we come and have a chat?" Um, and I must say, the thing that sort of swung it—I I look back now—is the fact that Keith took the time to come in and talk to me face to face. Yep. Um, about a contract. Everyone else just over the phone. They didn't want to sort of talk to you face to face. But, you know, I spent about two or three hours with him and I was very impressed with him and um, that's probably what's swung it over for me. And it's probably even just the fact he managed to track you down. That shows there's a bit of effort involved in that as well. Yeah, yeah that's, he did track me down. Yeah, in fact, he did, he did, he said, look, I, I said, Keith, I said, look, I can't make a decision. They were trying to, yeah, take a decision. I said, look, I can't, I don't know what to do. So I need to speak to my dad. We said, well, let's go speak to your dad now. I said, this was about five o'clock in the afternoon. Yep. So we drove to my parents' place about half an hour away and sat there for another another hour with my dad and my mum. And, and I said, I'm sorry, I still can't make a decision here. I'll, I'll give you a call in, 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 in when I make up my mind. Wow. And, um, yeah, so I still didn't, he still didn't get a decision. And then I said, I'll call you in a week or so. And, and I called him I called him in a week's time and I said, look, it's Gary Jack here from Wollongong. Can I just reverse charges call to Keith Barnes? Can he take the call? <laughs> and... <laughs> and he took the call, and um, I said, "Look, I'm, I'm, I want to come play for Balmain in, wow. in, in '82." And that, that worked out great because Steve Roach was coming through at that same time. Uh, Benny Elias was just coming through. We all started with Balmain in '82 together. Uh, yeah, this is the start of a new, whole new era for the club. Was that sort of a decision that helped sway you, Gary? I mean, that crop of players coming through, or? Uh, Keith did tell me they had this young lock coming through who was uh, no doubt he's going to play for Australia. His name was Wayne Pierce. Yep, and he was he was right there. Um, and you know, obviously, I hadn't met Benny at that stage. Uh, I obviously played with Steve down in Wollongong, um, and it was, and there was an opportunity. That I had I think they had, actually Phil Schaefer was the, the first grade fullback there. He'd been there for the year before, and. You know, they just are looking to, and there was an opportunity for me to, if I was, you know, to play first grade, and they'd give me an opportunity. And 
Um, and that's what I was really looking for. And obviously, I knew Steve, I knew Benny was the Commonwealth Bank player of the year for a couple of years. I knew Wayne was, I, knew, I didn't really know Wayne, I played against him. Um, so they were just looking to, to, as it turns out, get a group of, all, all of us ended up playing for New South Wales and Australia. And um, yeah, it was, in the end, it was a great decision. Absolutely. And as you said, mm. it's a bit of a rare commodity sometimes to have just a crop of great players serendipitously mm. come together like that, uh, which leads me to my next question, Gary. I guess, you know, in that, in that long decorated career at the Tigers, who were the standout players for you that you enjoyed playing with the most? You've probably mentioned a couple already, but I thought I'd throw it out to you again. Yeah, 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 definitely. Oh, I, definitely I definitely enjoyed, I didn't realise, um, obviously, how many times I'd played with Steve Roach. Uh, we had a bit of a function then at Western Wollongong and um, the, the, the gentleman who was the MC for the evenings on Fox Television Sports, his name was just escapes me at the moment, he was the MC for the day and he'd done his research. He said, Gary, did you know that you and Stephen Roach played together 164 times? Wow. I said, really? He said, more than any other combination in the history of Balmain used to play together. I said, well, no, I didn't know that because we yeah, grew up together. So... Um, I, I enjoyed playing with Blocker my, yeah, all, all my career. I always had a good understanding of his play, and whether it be for New, Balmain, New South Wales, or Australia, yep. yeah, we, we just had a good combination. Uh, I, I knew I'd always get the ball somewhere off him, or he'd see stuff, and I'd back him up, and he'd put me through a gap, and that sort of which he did many times oh, yeah. in his career. Which he did. So, I would, you know, have a bloke like him up front playing for Australia against the Kiwis or the Poms or whoever it may be, or Queensland. You know, we had that great combination, and you know that that, that I'm sure that won a lot of games for Balmain. And um, so Steve, and, and obviously, you know, Wayne Pearce was a. I didn't realise how, how such an effect, how he, uh, much of an impact Wayne Pearce would have on the club. Like he was very, very disciplined and very regimented, and uh, it affected, it, it certainly influenced the club yeah, in the right sure. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the club was sort of changing. It's, it's becoming more professional and. You know, uh, certainly a lot of the stuff success, success I had was just through you know, commitment and discipline and like I, I wouldn't say I was you know, the most gifted player but I really was I would work hard and I'd give it my all and that's probably what got me through more so than a natural ability and and you know that's probably due to a lot of influence from Wayne Pearce and training and that sort of stuff I was very fit and very strong for my size and yeah um yeah, because of, because of Wayne was like an example that, that a lot of us followed. And Wayne almost sort of embodies that um, professionalisation of the game at the time, doesn't he? Yeah, um, he was. Um, he was he was a, a non-drinker. He was a non-smoker. He was very committed to training. He was a, he was a sports nut, a sports <laughs> uh, training nut. Fanatic yeah. is the word. Fanatic more than nut. Um, and yeah, it definitely influenced. And you know, you know, I, I trained with well, didn't train much with Wayne, but I certainly trained changed my my training habits and. Um, on what what Wayne had done, and, and it certainly helped my career. You know, he, he had to be you know, was, he had to be strong. He had to have the endurance, and I was very strong. I had a lot of endurance. You know, I was a good runner and that sort of stuff, middle distance and long distance. But only because of the hours and hours I put into training. Because fullback's a very hard position to play, and yeah. if you're not fit, um, as they're saying now, the fullbacks run more than anyone. Well, I could I could have told you that 35 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is not new anyone. news, is it? <laughs> Australia and being at the top for such a long time. 
And as well as that, Gary, obviously you were a great example uh, of someone who exercised great support play at the back. And I guess maybe that endurance and fitness that you're talking about, uh, that sort of changed a lot of the, the way that fullbacks play. Did you have to work on that support play um, ethos in your game? Did you, was that sort of factored in at training? As you mentioned before, hunting around Blocker, for example, who had an f- yeah. amazing skill set as a forward. Um, yeah. was, it, was it a matter of knowing which, which guys to back up or did you sort of independently uh, have a sense of it? I think you independently just have a sense of it, just to, to put yourself in that situation where you may get the ball because you never know when it may or may not happen, but just reading play... Uh, obviously, the better quality players you play with, you know, um, they're going to find you. Um, so it was, it's just instinctive. But you know, I always think that if I look back at my career, and I've seen highlights, so that obviously I was a good, a very good support player, very good gap runner. You know, yeah. I always say hey, a good ball player is only as good as a bloke running to the gap. Absolutely. You know, so if you don't know where to run, then you're not going to, you know, compliments the, the ball player. So. That's a lot of my strife for just sort of supporting and putting myself in the opportunity where I'll be in the clear and you know, need a score or set up. So it was just, as you play with better players, you become a better player. And, you know, that sort of really, really was sort of, I look back at my career, yeah, and the, the better players that I played with, like obviously then Sterling and Kenny and, and you know, um, at, at that level, uh, Wally Lewis, Melbourne India, Gene Miles, and it, it makes you a better player. So... I was very lucky and and very lucky to play with those guys. I look back now with a lot of fond memories. I mean, there's some amazing names you just rattled off there. That is a hell of a hell of an effort to be around yeah. that kind of company. Now, you, you played, yeah. um, uh, I guess, under arguably one of the best tacticians in the game as well in Warren Ryan, Gary. Can you tell me what it was like yep. to play under the walk? Yep. Um, I learnt more under the walk in probably uh, three months than what I learnt in seven years playing first grade footy. Wow. That um, says a lot. Yeah, yeah, that says a lot. Yeah, so um, he, he was just a great statistician, great, oh, great tactician, and um, you know, I wish I wish I'd have probably had him probably as an eighteen, nineteen year old rather than as a twenty seven year old. You know, sure. Um, coming towards the end of my career, so um, yeah, he was he was fantastic. Um, we wouldn't have made the Groves Grand Finals without without him, without doubt, in eighty eight, eighty nine. You know. We should have probably been there in 85, 86. Uh, we got to the finals, I think, in those years. But uh, we had a, a good team for probably seven, eight years. We've made, we made the grand the semifinals for about seven, eight years in a row. And he was, yeah, he was a fantastic uh, coach. And you just, you, you know, you just sit down and listen to him talk. And you, it, it, hear him on the radio talking. And it just just takes him back to the dressing room at Leichhardt, half-time. And he'd just say, well, this is the situation. This is what we've got to do. If we want to win the game, this is what we've got to do. And you can just rattle it off. What you, you keep it nice and simple. Tell you what you've got to do. We do this. You know, we move them around. Two pass spread or one pass spread. You know, get their, move their defensive line around and come back, and we'd have numbers and you know, three on twos or whatever it may be, two on ones or whatever you know, whatever it may be, inside outside ball. Yeah. So he was, um, yeah, he really really smart coach. Mate. Yeah, a lot. I think the games. A lot of people have copied him, but you know he was the first. He just seems, he strikes me as a kind of guy that sort of lives and breathes rugby league and is always thinking about tactics, potentially well yeah. ahead of his time. I know Phil Gould yeah. sort of speaks very glowingly about um, you know the fact that he just never stops thinking about the game and was always looking to innovate. Did he bring in um, new mechanisms that, or things that were uh, completely foreign to you in terms of training or in, or in terms of moves or strategy? Um, no, he he. he introduced which we didn't which we didn't have an effective offensive pattern 
Um, we, we tried to have a defence, but we didn't. And, and he got there and, you know, he, he put in a very good defence. Obviously, there's moving parts in the defensive pattern where the ball moves across the field and, and how do, how we react to each situation and where we've got to be. So he put those structures in place, which he'd had at Canterbury before, and obviously Newtown before that. And you know we we were very we were very 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 good defensive side. Yeah. The only criticism I thought I could say or being constructive was at that stage it was it was very much um, playing footy to a certain part of the field and then you put your, your play on. Yeah. Rather rather than play what you see or you know play more ad lib or more more that off the top of your head footy. Yeah. Which is that the, the balance between the two? Uh, I think that. Looking back now, that there was probably more too much structure towards, you know, this is this is a tap play. This is what we do, or you know, we go go to this part of the field and this is, we put one move on. And but if that doesn't work, what, what's next from there? You know, for sure. So it was um, that that balance between open rugby league and structured rugby league is uh, is what 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 we probably needed. But we were probably a little bit too much structured, I think, in those in probably eighty nine and didn't play enough off the off the cup footy. I guess especially because you were at, at a team oozing with talent as well. Sometimes you want to yeah. play to your strengths. If you've got the ability yeah. to ad lib and score yeah. tries, then maybe that's not such a bad yeah. idea. That's all. You look at you look at um, Ellie Hanley when he came here in in, in eighty eight, and um, you know he, he only played I think seven games for the Tigers and scored six tries in seven games, and yeah. he was the X factor and, and scored tries to just from broken play. Yeah, he was just such a great broken play runner, and um, that that opened up games and, and won games, won four or five games for us with just that that ad lib yeah play, um, which which you know, Andy Curry had as well. But um, yeah, Ellery was fantastic at that that. So you know, it was it was a great style of footy, but uh, I just think maybe because because a lot of stuff would come from like penalty kicks, like when we played the when we played the eighty nine grand final, we had so many moves from tap kicks. Yeah, the first half the penalty count I think was six one against us. Yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> so you haven't got too many set uh, platforms yeah, for those set plays right. then. Yeah, and the, and the penalty that we got was in our own half and they had to, just near our own try line. So, so you know that's where that balance needs to come in between you know, playing what you see and, and having structure. But now he was a great coach, and you know um, I have so much you know, respect and time for him as, as a player for, for what he did and for what he achieved in the game. He was, you know, he was. Yeah, everyone just copied him. Gus Grill copied him. They all copied him um, to because it, it worked. When we were actually just thinking uh, recently about um, our conversation with Brett Kenny, he actually had the same criticism of the current game being a bit too structured. Do you have any comments oh, yeah. on on that? Do you, do you feel like the, yeah. the the game the way it is at the moment is a bit too structured? He was uh, like yourself, just mentioning that it, it's better. For, he wants to see more players play what's in front of them. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's correct. Um, because my opinion is that the whole the game did change when it went to the ten meter rule. The ten meter rule was brought in to open up the game, yeah. But it, it it had the other effect. It opened up the game, but it made it too predictable to to just you know hit it up, hit it up um, without. It, it sort of took ball players out of the game. You don't see ball players like Steve Roach playing the game anymore mm. because they don't. Big blokes like Steve. Hit it up and make the yards and play it quick. Hit it up and play it. You don't need to be able to ball play. Whereas in our day, you had to be clever with the ball because that, that was how you would break up the defensive line and yep. put someone into, in, into a space. Whereas now, 
you, you don't. You don't, and the, you have four blokes trying to tackle you at the same time, and they'll rescue you to the ground. And so you've, you've lost those ball players, and so it becomes very predictable mm. to get out of your own half. Um, and when you know, which is what the games, they, everyone loves to see ball players and, and see what they can do to, to create the spaces inside and outside. And um, yeah, when you see one, you go, wow. Like Jonathan Thurston was a fantastic ball player. Absolutely. You know, I think Cooper, Cooper Conk made himself into a fantastic ball player. You know, guys that can do that, you know, obviously Wally Lewis was a great ball player. Brick Kenny was a great ball player. So was Sterling. But those types of players, that's what people like to go and watch. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. So it, but it, changed, it changed under the, the 10 metre rule. And if, if we can get back to more that sort of ad lib rather, I, mean, I think 10 metres is too much. So I think it should be five. Um, and, you know, um, once you tackle someone, just get off and we'll get penalised. Simple as that. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. and I think you're yeah. quite right, Gary. There seems to be, um, I guess, a little bit of a decline in the, the players who had that sort of guile and sleight of hand. And we were, we're a lot yeah. more athletes in the game today. I mean, what the yeah. amazing athleticism that goes on is probably off the charts. But in, just in terms of that sort of gamesmanship, I've, I feel the same way that we probably have gone backwards a little bit. Yeah, um, I, I do agree with that. And, you know, because just on the 10 metre rule, but the 10 metre rule is that they hold you so you, you can get back 10. Now, if you only had to get, get back five, so they would obviously wouldn't hold you as much because you're, you're back there in, uh, you know, a, a couple of seconds. So yeah. it'll, it'll have a, an, another flow on effect if you reduce the 10 metres, then people won't hold people down as long because they'll already be back to five metres. They've retreated. They'll already be, yeah. They've already retreated, yeah. So it'll have that that flow-on effect as well. But yeah, those ball players, you know, it's it, that, that's that's what the crowd wants to see, and they want to see, they want to see the little fella, you know, the little guy like the Sturlo or the Alfie Langer, you know, can take on the big guy and and hold his own or, or beat him, you know. Absolutely. And, and that's that 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 sort of that fatigue factor. Well, I think we've got too many interchange in the game. I think it needs to be reduced. Things reduced to you know probably three or four would be would what I would, I would have it. Um, because now teams, all they do is carry, they carry forwards on the bench. They don't carry backs on the bench, they just carry forwards. Um, so bring that fatigue factor in so it's more of a contest towards the back end of the game when the little fellas can come in at the last 20 minutes. I remember when, when I was playing, and this is a true story, I, I was having a, at the SCG in 85 and I met the great Clive Churchill um, in, at the SCG in the members' stand and we, wow. he introduced himself to me. Yeah, you know, you know, immortal now and great fullback in the 50s and 60s and he said to me he said yeah he said, he said mate can I give you a tip I said yeah we're certainly quiet whatever you tell me yeah he said mate um don't get involved the first 20 minutes wait till the last 10 minutes of the half before you get involved he said you're wasting too much energy yeah that's right <laughs> and they and these guys are probably bashing you around a bit too yeah they're bashing you around. he said yeah just just wait till the last yeah, 10 minutes till they're tired then get involved and you'll find there'll be a lot more gaps set. He's got a point. <laughs> He's got a point. He's got a point, but, you know, I, did, I didn't, didn't do it, but, I mean... But he's got a point, but, but, that's, but that's, 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 the, that's the contest because, you know, in, say, in Clive's day, there was no, there was no interchange back at those days. Once you got injured, you, you went off. And, yeah, you were gone. You know, you, you, you were gone. You couldn't be replaced, you know, and towards the back end, they would be very tired, and that's where the gaps would, would appear. So um, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's it's changed, and yeah. So he did have a point, but anyway, that's. Uh, I'll tell that's you what, though, that, that's worth it just to get advice off the little master, isn't it? Um, you know, yeah, from one yeah, fullback well, to another. Yeah, that's right. He was in the in the fifties, and this is this is eighty five, and 
he was a, he was a very good supporter of me. I never people asked him who should be the Australian fullback or whatever, and he always put me forward. So I got to thank him for that. Like he was very very supportive, um, you know, and uh, you know, full of you know, admiration and respect for for players you know, in that in that era. You know, yeah. obviously the game had changed a lot from the fifties, and you know he was a legend, legend of the game, and, and very respected even to these days. Gary, on an individual basis, going back to your career, you obviously you've won the, the very coveted Golden Boot. Uh, I believe it was in nineteen eighty seven. How did it feel to win that accolade? A personal accolades like that. Um, do they mean a lot looking back at your career? Yeah, well, it, yeah. It's a funny thing about it. It, it was in '87 that I was given the award, and for the previous 23, 27 years, it's been 1987. It was recently changed to 1986. Okay, well, so, that's funny you mentioned that, Gary, because I was looking at the stats, and it looked like '86 was a bigger year for you. So I did wonder about that. Yeah, yeah, because what they would do is they would give it the following year. So it'd be on last year's performances. Gotcha. So like Wally Lewis won it in, in I think it was eighty four, but he got it in eighty five. Brick Kenny Brick Kenny actually got it on the eighty six tour. Uh, we got to we got to Leeds and Brick Kenny was given the golden boot in eighty six in the Dragon R Hotel. <laughs> but it was for the eighty five season. There you, you know, go. Eighty five season. Um, so it's a bit like the Oscars. <laughs> they give it the yeah, next it, year for the previous year. Yeah, yeah, the third previous year. So so when I got it in eighty, well, when eighty, yeah, eighty six, I had a, had a really good year. I, I had, yeah, played in, I think nine tests and scored nine tries, so I had a really good year. I think we won everything in eighty, in 86. So yeah, and so yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a great, it's a great. Yeah, yeah, you look back at the blokes that have won the Golden Boot and Sterlow and Burton, and you know, Wally and Mal, and you know, it's been two damn good players. You're an amazing company there, aren't you? Amazing, yeah. So to be in that sort of level is pretty, pretty humbling and. Um, it's just yeah, well, you, know, you just got to make the most of the opportunity when you get it because you don't know when when you know you know when I got to the test side in '84, everyone thought I was only going to be there for a year. Yeah, you know, I was going to get replaced by Mick Potter. Yeah, right. But, you know, well, you proved them wrong. I, yeah, yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, so it's an opportunity, and you make the most of it. And when you're there for one year, then the second year we went to New Zealand. I was the player of the tour in '85, and um, over there, so that yeah, to be the player of the tour was pretty good in '85. So. I just need an opportunity, and uh, yeah, playing with those blokes it, um, it helps your own play, and, um, and that's you just got to step up when there's a chance because it may be taken away from you, and then you'll never get another chance to represent again. So you got to. You've got to do it while you're there. That's right. You've got to take that window when it's available. Yes. Now, I'm not one to uh, rake up old graves, Gary, but you were involved in, uh, obviously, two consecutive uh, losing grand finals, 88 and 89. Are, are there yeah. any particular moments you reflect on during those games that you consider turning points, or, or do you have any regrets about those matches at, at any stage? Oh. That's a big question, I know, because there's yeah. a, a lot going yeah. on in those well, two games. <laughs> yeah, like, 80, 89, 89, there was... There was we had so much, oh, how would you say, so much, so, many, so much bad luck in the last, the last half yep. of '89. Um, bad decisions that went against us, from obviously Roachie getting replaced to the Bruce Maguire penalty with Stevie Walters, to you know, um, the the <laughs> drop goal off the black dot. The drop goal off the black dot. Yeah, yeah. The, the penalty, the penalty count was six one. Six one and a half time of the walk come down and said, "Listen, any chance you put your whistle away, Bill? Can you put, <laughs> put your whistle away? You couldn't do it now, but he said, no, he's yeah, Daddy. That's a ten thousand yeah. dollar fine now, minimum. That's a ten thousand dollar fine now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, those things. At, 
And then, and then, then it gets, keeps getting worse because then, then I find out, I find out a couple of months ago that that Steve Jackson, oh, there was a stump, something in the 89 grand final and Steve Jackson's there and um, they, talk, they talk about the, the bomb that goes up at the end. And, uh, you know, I've only watched it once. He's here with Mal and Ricky Stewart. He said, the bomb goes up. And then he says to him, he says, you know I touched that, don't you? Oh, no. And I said... Now I know what happened. She said, yeah, These are the moments, aren't they? Yeah, those are the moments. Yeah. And, 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 and that's coming straight from the Raiders' mouth too. <laughs> straight from their mouth. And and then if that's not worse, if that's not then there's a third one, which I which you know, which I only found out at the same time that the crossbar on the on the northern end was six inches too high. You know, I actually heard that recently too. I, I'm not sure where yeah. I heard that, but I, someone yeah. was telling me that. Um, yeah, it, it, it came it came up to Canberra because Canberra. Canberra wanted, they built some uh, academy of sport. They're down in Canberra. This is back in '91, uh, and they didn't know how how the, the dimensions of the ground were. So John, I think it was John McIntyre, he said, "We'll call the SFS and get their measurements there." So nothing had changed since we played in '89. Oh, so they took the specs and built exactly the same. And then, and then a couple of years later, they realised that the specs were wrong, and the crossbar was six inches too high. Now. So Benny Elias' drop drop goal, rather than hitting the flush on the ball, goes over. Absolutely. Goes over. Because if anything, it almost, it almost yeah. hit the top of the black dot too. So a couple of inches probably would have got the job done. But Probably would have been enough, yeah. yeah. So he hit a flush, flush there, and you go, you just go, oh, my God. Like, can we can we sue someone? Can we sue the <laughs> New South Wales Rugby League? But that's, that's, that's footy, you know. So that's how close you can be to winning a competition and... and not winning a competition, so it was just yeah. you know, that much. It was heartbreaking for us. Uh, it's still, you know, rated as the greatest grand final ever, and you know, we're probably just as known for losing it rather than, than winning it. You know, what a great bunch of fellas, and what a great team it was. Probably the, or certainly the best Balmain side I ever played with, and yeah, it's just a great, um, great memories of of a great year. Are you? Is there a part of that? Even though obviously you guys did lose, the fact that I do believe it's probably the best grand final that's been played that I've seen. Just to be a part of that, I don't know if that's um, it's easy for someone on the outside to say this, but is it just to be part of that a privilege? Even though you did lose. Yeah, 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 yeah it is, and I think as, as you get the older, you, you, you know, you're not as. I, I didn't watch it for the first fifteen years. I'd, mm-hmm. I'll probably I watch it, and I think. I think the 2005 when the West Tigers made the grand final, we watched it that that week at uh, Fox Studios, and that's what 16 years after. 
I think I watched it, I may have watched it again maybe 10 years after that. Um, um, so, does it get the easier? Oh, look, yeah, 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 mate, as you get older, I think you just accept it. You know, there's far more, far more worse things in life can happen than just losing the game. But, but it was, it was just a, for, for us at that time in our careers, it was such a, such a that's what, all we wanted was to win a premiership. That's oh, all yeah. we wanted, you know. But, you know, as a, as a kid, I, I grew up monologue and I think I played in, I think I played in 11 grand finals and won nine, so I think maybe I'd used all my luck as a, as a kid. <laughs> it was all your <laughs> fault, Gary. You had too much early success. Yeah, well, don't tell anyone, but yeah, so I think I used all my luck up when I was a young <laughs> fellow. So. But yeah, that's just, mate, that's just the, you know, the, the bounce of the ball, or just that we just had, much as we had good luck, we probably were lucky to be ahead 12 2 at half time in that grand final with the Andy Courier kick and the Jimmy Grant interception in yeah. the corner. Well, it was, it certainly turned on its head the second half for the last 20 minutes was repeated. Yeah, bad luck, bad luck, bad luck, bad luck, bad luck. And uh, in the end, in the end, when it come, uh, you know, they were just finishing, they had that momentum and finishing over the top of us. And um, they were just, we just couldn't, we couldn't hold them back at the end. They were just, they were unstoppable. Um, yeah. You know, at the end of the game, Canberra was just full of running. And obviously, it's uh, that game is immortalised uh, for for the man you mentioned before, Steve Jackson, who he may not have been an enduring name had he not been involved in that uh, final try. Can you do you have do you have a, a memory of that moment? Is the game a bit of a blur, or do you actually remember that Steve Jackson break and what you were thinking at the time? Um, I I just remembered. I think. I just, I just remember running at me. I, I didn't know how we got, how we got the ball, but it was yep. a chip kick by Andy or Sean Edwards. I think one of them kicked ahead, and he, I just so he's, so he's running. So I just had to tackle him, and I just went low to tackle him. And, I, and as I went low to tackle him, um, for what I went low, and maybe I went too low, and maybe I should have went higher. I went, and, and then I've spun around, and I've, I've fallen off the back of his legs. Yeah, I think I hit. I think someone was coming to help me, and I've spun around and just dropped off the tackle. So. Um, I think there was only there was only uh, in, it was inside the last minute or something. Um, it was it was, was fifteen fourteen at that stage, so we would we needed to score. Yeah. Um, so it was all hands on deck. So that's why the chip kick come out from inside our own inside our own twenty. So you know, um, I just it was just a you know, just a, a, miss, a missed bad a bad tackle and just just the way it, you know some some that's how it goes sometimes and. Um, yeah, so... Oh, it's just footy, Gary, so as you do, said. Do, so many highlights, but obviously there's going to be yeah. some lowlights every now and again. It's just the way it falls, oh. isn't it? Yeah, mate, you know, yeah, you're going to make a lot of try-saving tackles, but the ones you're going to miss, people are going to show all the time. Oh, yeah. I know, <laughs> yeah, Brad Fittler always talks no about the uh, the Mark Coyne, <laughs> the famous Mark Coyne try in State of Origin. He said he's done so many things in the game, but he's probably seen uh, the highlight of him just falling off the Mark Coyne tackle at the very end the most. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, and... You know, things are meant to be for a reason. I still don't know what the reason is, but you know, footy is a great game, and you learn a lot more. You learn a lot out of your losses than you probably do out of your, out of your wins. And you know, it, it, that's the beauty of sport. And yeah, you know, we weren't good. We weren't good enough on on the day. And you know, in fact, we'd never lost to Canberra the previous eleven times we played them. So wow, I didn't know, know that. Uh, yeah, we beat them since '82 since they come in the competition that was our first loss to them in in what that seven years oh wow uh, yeah, yeah so you had the so you we well and truly had the wood on them yeah and i wouldn't and honestly we weren't overconfident we really thought after the the, the loss of of 88 when we, when we were well and truly beaten by canterbury that yeah yeah okay we were a bit more mature and this was our year and, and we and we believe it was it was our year but it just goes to show you know 
there, there are turning points we, we discussed. And the, the Bill Harrigan penalty on, on Bruce McGuire, that was a major turning point because they put it out from there. And, you know, Gary Belcher scores, put them back in the game at, um, I think at 14, 14-8, puts them back in the game. Yeah. Uh, we get the penalty for Walters being offside. We put it out and we're, we're 10 metres away from the try line and, uh, and we're attacking. Another turning point there was the Mickey Neal ankle tap. Oh, um, yeah, I think about that one all the time. I still don't know, uh, even with the ankle mate, tap, I don't know how he didn't score that. Yeah, well, you know, that, that was that was one of the plays where where we had a play, and the play was to isolate Narmaninga on his own because he wasn't a very quick turner. He was quick on his feet. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it was called Crash. Crash was the name of the play. <laughs> okay, nice. What we'd, yeah, so what we'd do, we'd, we'd, we'd go in, but of course we never got a penalty. We just we had to call it from general play. Was, was Gary Freeman called it from general play? And the play was that uh, Freeman would pass the ball to Block. Block would come up. He'd hit the line. He'd sort of, what, for a couple of seconds, flop it back. Gary Freeman would come around. And then he'd come around. He'd have a couple of runners. And then he had Bruce McGuire. And I was sort of set behind Bruce McGuire, about two metres behind him. So Mal could see that it was Bruce was going, and I was off Bruce. So he's come in to jam in on us. So as he's come in to jam in on me or Bruce, the play was to then throw it in front of the players to, to Mickey Neal. Yeah, so it worked right. like a treat. And then all of a sudden, Mickey Neal gets the ball. He's past Mal. Um, Mal's come in, as we said. And Mickey, he's 10 yards from the try line. And Mal realises he was, he was beaten. And he even says, you know, I had this cold chill go down the back of my spine when when I saw that I was, I was beaten. And as he's ankle tapped... Um, with his right hand, as he ankle tapped him, he didn't actually get him with his hand. He actually got him with his arm guard. So, <laughs> that, that really big, thick arm guard that he, he yeah, generally had. Yeah, yeah. really big, thick arm guard. Yeah, and that's what clipped him at the back of the ankles. And that's what. So he stumbled because he wasn't a very big fellow, Nick. And probably maybe a bigger guy might have had the momentum to stay on his feet for that extra extra foot or so. And, he, and, and as he hit the ground and stumbled again, he was just, you know, almost like his head was on the try line but not the ball, and uh, Steve Walters jumped and grabbed him so he couldn't move again. Oh, it's as close as you can possibly go, Gary, that one. Yeah, and then from the following play of the ball, we sprint it from left to right, and we go to the far side, and Laurie Daly, so I spoke to Laurie Daly a few months ago, he said, oh, I was gone. He said, we went we threw it and went back myself, I think um, maybe Gary Freeman, then someone threw it to Benny, uh, Benny Elias, and then Benny's thrown it to... Junior, but it was a bit of a harbour bridge pass. Yeah. Junior's has a detached retina in, in his one eye. He's always struggled catching the ball that's up and that's floating around. And outside him, he had Jimmy Grant and um, James and Jimmy Brandt and Tim Brasher on Laurie Daly. He was the only player there was Laurie Daly. So if he catches that, it's a three-on-one on Laurie Daly. We score in the other corner. Yeah, I always feel sorry for Junior in that. I mean, such a great player in that. I do remember that yeah. that moment well. Yeah. Um, you know, it yeah. looked as though it probably would have been a try, but. Uh, yeah, you know, sometimes yeah. you just feel uh, someone was looking after Canberra that day. Just yeah. on the other grand final, um, there was obviously some controversy uh, as well in the 88 uh, grand final against the Dogs with Ellery yeah. Hanley taken out uh, by Terry Lamb with that high shot. Uh, do, do you reflect yeah. on that? Do you feel as though that was as decisive as people make out it was uh, when you lost Hanley in that game? Yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, these days, you know, that, that would be, be, be a send-off. It should have been a send-off then, but, you know, no one... No one saw it. The touch judge didn't see it. Nick Stone didn't see it. No, the commentators of, of the game didn't see it. Now that was uh, Andrew Farrer and Terry, Terry Lamb took him out, um, and he was gone. He was gone. Um, 
and it's before half time. Yeah, and it's crazy mm. when you even look at the the coverage. As you say, it's like even the cameraman yeah. kind of misses it. You know, like it's yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like there's a bit of a conspiracy yeah. going on. They go, look, let's not look yeah. at Hanley right now because we're about to launch something yeah. at him. Yeah, and, and even even if I, another instance there in the same game was that um, uh, Benny Elias goes to score a try, score a try, or he's in the inning goal. And Peter Tunks gets sin-binned for stomping. When you stomp on someone or attempt, you get, you get sent off. Generally. Generally, you get sent off for stomping. <laughs> yep. um, I think he got five minutes in the sin bin for stomping, uh, which just, just beggars belief that, yeah. It's that crazy, would be allowed. It? It's crazy, yeah. So um, there, were, there were two players there after that day, and that one was Benny and one was, one was Ellery, and... You know, and they, they gave Benny a hard time. To, well, there's you know, Tungsy and other players gave him a hard time as well. But so after those two, our two, our two key strike players. So um, yeah, it was it was disappointing. But '88, yeah, we did lead. I think we did did lead six two in the first half. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we went and Hamley went off. Uh, he was our, our strike player as far as yeah, he had been all the way through. He'd been the man of the match in probably four or five games and. And we just couldn't replace him, and you know that X, that X factor just to score a try and to win a game was was gone. Do you suspect, Gary, that that was a bit of a, a deliberate tactic to take Ellery out, or was it opportunism when when Terry Lamb and, and Farris saw him that uh, this is an opportunity to take oh, him out? Oh, I think it was deliberate. Yeah, I think yeah. it was deliberate. Yeah, I think no, that it was deliberate. Um, no, that it was deliberate. Yeah. Um, As you said, different yeah. game back then, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they come in and. One held him up, one came over the top, and yeah, they, they knew they weren't going, weren't going low. They're going high. They're going high, to, obviously, to hurt him. Yep. And um, and put him in, in Gaga land. Um, but you know, uh, it took us, it took us probably twenty years to get even with Ellery, with uh, with Terry Lamb, um, because we made him coach, and um, he hasn't coached since. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, right. The so, the infamous John Hopewati <laughs> incident, I think, yeah, brought him so, down. Uh, yeah, you got him in the end, um, <laughs> mate. Just talking about you individually again, um, in, and other fullbacks. Uh, not necessarily, uh, well, sorry, other fullbacks in in the time that you played. Who, who, in yeah. your opinion, was the best or the toughest fullback that you had to play against during your career? Um, yeah, look, I, 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 I was fortunate enough to play against um, Graham Eady, uh, in, in the early part of my career, and you know he's a great player, Graham Eady. Yeah. Probably, well, I, was, I was an idol. He was one of my idols when I was growing up. Was him and, and John John Dorahay. So yeah, he was a great running fullback, great defensive player. Certainly for those two or three years when I first started, it was John um, Graham Eady. Certainly uh, in the rep footy, um, Gary Belcher was probably my greatest uh, rival uh, yep. in those mid mid eighties, and we had many a tussle against each other. Um, very you know, you know, creative player and, and instinctive player. Uh, it was Badge, uh, light on his feet. Um, you know, so we actually roomed together on the 86 Kangaroo Tour, so we become quite pally after that. So, yeah, right. That's, you know, was that done on purpose, yeah. you think, because they knew you were rivals? I don't, I don't know. It, 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 look, I always... I don't like other fullbacks normally. But when you room with someone for three months, you sort of get to, get to know them and get to like them, so... Um, yeah, so that was <laughs> that was hard not to like him after that. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, so yeah, oh, Gary was certainly my, my greatest. Right, look, then there were some very good players too. You know, even uh, Brian Johnson was a very good player for St George in the, the mid eighties. 
Now, Marty Gurr was a very good player for the Roosters and for Manly. He was, you know, he was New South Wales fullback there for, in 83. Um, you know, they were good. It was Gary Worth was another very good player. Uh, Rod Silver was a very good player as well. Oh, Rocket Rod. Um, you remember him well. Rocket Rod. Yeah, yeah. He's, he was a good fullback as well. So it was an era with um, with lots of really good number one. Greg Brentnell was a you know, fantastic. Greg, Greg Brentnell probably changed the game because in those days, if you were a fullback, if you couldn't catch the ball, then then you, they wouldn't put you at fullback because it was, every set of six you would get a bomb. So, you know, you, you're probably talking, you'd probably receive 10 to 12 bombs every game, and if you couldn't catch the ball, there'd be no point playing your fullback. For sure. It's different today because now they put it towards the wingers rather than the fullback. That's and obviously right. Obviously, if, if, if you're jumping for the ball, and they, if they touch you, then you know it's a, it's a penalty. Now, in those days, it was just a free for all. Open slather. So, yeah, that's right. And you get people slather, yeah. um, sort of escorting people away from you these days as well. Correct. So yeah, which is what they were doing back in those days too. But the referees just weren't up to the rules of the game that what was going on. But now they are. Yeah, fair so, enough. Yeah, you know, Brendan was a yeah. You know, he changed the game. He's just so safe, and you know, uh, he was just a fantastic. Yeah, so I modelled my sort of catching of the ball on Greg Brentnell and um, yeah, so look, Colin Scott was a very very tough competitor there from Queensland. So I'm very and Joe Lydon, if I go if overseas, Joe Lydon was a very um, very quick and elusive fullback too um, for the Pommies. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, yeah, I know of him. I didn't see too much of him play, but um, but I, yeah, I know yeah. of him. It just shows you, Gary. I'm obviously even just hearing you rattling off the wealth of talent. Clearly, for you to be selected in so many of these rep teams, that's right. obviously got to speak volumes to your own personal form during that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks, mate. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I always tried to have a have a balance. Like it wasn't just to attack with me. Like I think obviously ca- catching the ball, so saving tries is just as important as scoring tries. Sure. That's, how, that's how I looked, looked at it, and a lot of fullbacks probably don't worry too much about defence. Whereas I did, you know, um, like when I went to play, get, get my defence right was important to me um, in every game I played. So I was, I was, you know, rather than obviously I could score tries, but I think I could, I think I was probably saved as many as I scored. I completely agree with you, and but players like Billy Slater come to mind as well. I mean, he probably saved just as many tries as he scored as well, and it's just as important an attribute, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Um, it doesn't get much. Doesn't get many statistics, or you know, people talk about it because it's much more exciting scoring tries. But you know, a great try-saving tackle, or you know, that, that wins a game. Just a one-on-one tackle is something that's just like you know, that, that's the ultimate test. It's probably the hardest tackle to, to make to one-on-one because you've got no one with you, you've got no one inside or outside. You're, you're on your own, and it's a lonely you know, game sometimes. Fullback, isn't it? It's it, that's a lonely number. Number one, it's a very lonely, <laughs> lonely number. So you know, um, you know. So you've got to try and get it right um, most of the time, and most of the time, I was fortunate I did. And and Gary, just on yourself, most of the time, if you had a one-on-one tackle to make, it, it was your general um, instinct to take to take the legs out, or did you have a particular one-on-one strategy? Well, if it was one-on-one, um, if we had support, I might fade away. Yep. I might just sort of run run backwards for a bit and, and look to see if there's a defence covering as well because that way I could cover if he passes to the bloke on the inside or outside. Yep. Got him covered as well, waiting for the defence to get him from behind. So you, you could do that, then just wait up from there. Or sometimes if you knew, you'd make sure you'd run a you'd run an angle. Uh, like used to call it in, like used to call it in the inverted C. So you'd run the angle. Yep. So the only way they could beat you would be on the outside, not on the inside. You wouldn't make sure they come on the inside. So if they take the side, that's fine. Let them run the sideline because then I'll, the sideline's my friend. I'll take them over yeah, the sideline. Push and them over. Push them over, yeah. So 
yeah, it's just a matter of just sometimes you just have to wait and see. But if it's if it's just me and me and a bloke, he's got no one with him. I try and get to him as quickly as I could. Yeah, I try and get to put I try and put him under pressure to make a decision to step, either he'd kick or he'd um, or he'd try and beat me. And if he did try and beat me, I'd, I'd make sure he went the way I wanted to go. Yep. So I I never just stand still and wait for them. I'd always be the aggressor. Then when I got there, you know, if um, even if they passed the ball, I'd still hit them pretty hard. And um, and uh, so next time when they got through, they'd be looking for you. So I like it. Yeah, you don't want to be flat-footed. I'm I'm just trying to visualise myself in that situation, and I'm just trying to visualise someone like Mao Meninga coming full throttle at me one on one. And I think maybe I'd be running with him towards the try line. I don't think I'd be putting my body on the line. Yeah, no, no, you wouldn't want to run at Mal Meninga. <laughs> Let me tell you, I've done that, and it's not a good thing to do. No, it's a very, <laughs> you learn your lesson. Poor decision. Poor decision. You don't ever do that. No, no. You just, you just, no. Yeah, he's uh, he's a man. Mal, he takes two blokes to tackle him, and remember in the eighty in the eighty nine grand final, I got the ball and I beat one, beat two, and then come up through the middle of the ruck, and Mal was in front of me, so I thought, well, I'll look, uh, bugger this, I'll just run over the top of him. <laughs> so I, I just ran straight at him and. It's like running into a brick wall. And oh, the, wow. And I, he, he hit me that hard that the ball was just jarred and I've lost the ball first tackle. Oh. But, you know, instead of, instead of trying to step, I just, nah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll run at you, Mel, and bang, my God. And you never did it again. <laughs> never did it again, nah. Mate, nah that's just that adrenaline rush, yeah. G- Gary, I'm con- conscious of your time, mate. I don't want to take up too much more, but um, right. you've been very generous with it. I, I did want to um, touch on, I know, obviously, in 91, just on your own career again, I know Warren Ryan yeah. moved on and was re- replaced by Alan Jones, um, who yeah. I think famously joined the club saying, Balmain are sick of coming second. Um, but the results weren't great under Alan. Um, and is it fair to say you weren't his biggest fan when he became his coach? Oh, I, I was when he became the coach. Originally, I, I was. Yeah, I, you know, obviously he had success at the Wallabies, um, and and yeah, and first grade coach. But yeah, I think it was. It's a lot different coaching first grade rugby league than coaching Manly or, or, or Wallaby team. It's week in, week out, and mm. um, it's just a different, different game. And, and yeah, we had we had our differences of opinions of how it should be played because look, we lost our first. I think we lost our, our 11 games. We lost our first 10 when he was coaching. Uh, we, I think we had 10 losses in a draw in our first 11 games. So it wasn't a very good start. No, um, that's, that's not ideal. And, no, and you, know, you still had Steve Roach, Paul Sirnan, Benny Elias, myself, Tim Brasher, James Grant. So it's a pretty good side. So, yeah, look, it was it was a very frustrating time. Um, Alan likes to do things his own way. And, and you know, um, I, I tried to help him. But yeah, you know, he wants to do his things his own way. So that, that's fine. You know, it didn't work out, and you know, and at the end of the day, you know, that's what you're based on your on your results. And you know, it was just um, it was a difficult time for everyone. But you know, you you got to move on and and uh, get on with your life. But you know, I wish him well. We've seen each other since then, and and uh, you know, he's a he's a remarkable person. He's done a lot of good things for a lot of people, and you know, a lot of respect for him. Yeah, fair enough. And and I mm. guess, and I know obviously um, you moved off and had a big stint in England and to a lot of success there as well. I know you, you came back and finished off with the Tigers yep. uh, when Wayne Pearce took over. Can you tell me a little bit about yes. that and what that was like to, to cap off your career and it sort of came full circle? Yeah, it was, it was good. I didn't think I'd get a chance to come back to Balmain when I left in 92. Um, I was there, I was overseas for three years. Um, and then finished up at Salford and uh, I, I finished up because I was still I still felt I was good enough to, I didn't, wasn't like I was injured or I 
you know, had a permanent injury or whatever, I still thought I could still contribute to the team. So um, I, I trained for a couple of months and before eight weeks before I come home from England and uh, uh, spoke to the club and spoke to Johnny Chalk and Keith Barnes and um, and Junior and yep, they were pretty because Junior had a young squad. So um, I came in and I played eleven games uh, in that time and it was great to, to get back into the side and. Um, yeah, so I was really grateful for that um, for the eleven games I had back in '95. You know, I think we won, oh, I think we won maybe five or six, yeah, fifty-fifty. But you know, it was great to be there and, and to and just to more, more of a. Yeah, obviously, I wasn't. Um, I was. I was still playing. I was still playing good footy, but you know, not the player that I was. Um, it's more more of a, of a, a mentoring role. Yeah, young Tim Brasher was there as well, coming through. Yeah, right. Uh, guys like that. Um, so it was, uh, it was, it was good. To, it was. I really enjoyed that that last stint there at '95. Um, yeah, but obviously, it wasn't the same as you know in, in the in the '80s. Yeah, you know, yeah. Players had moved on, and yeah, but it, but at least I got the chance to play it in '95 and go out, um, go out the way that I wanted to. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like yeah, yeah. It capped things off on a really positive note. And yeah. and, when, and when you yeah, came yeah, back, yeah. were you welcomed with open arms as the favourite son from yes. the crowd and the, and the players yes, and the staff? I yeah, I'd imagine you would have been. Yes, 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 it was. Yeah, yeah. So it was very, very uh, encompassing from that point of view. Um, I remember I I, I, did, I did actually my, my last try I scored for the Tigers was Parramatta Stadium in uh, in '95, and I think it was about a fifty or sixty metre run. Wow. Um, yeah, so I beat about three or four and scored under the post. So that was that was a that was a great memory to go out on to finish your career on. Um, Absolutely, on, on on that try. I had my my two sons. I had my I had three sons. They were sitting in the grandstand. They were eight, six, and one or something. Yeah, eight, six, and one. So for them to sit there and to to watch you play with that was that was really really special. Um, yeah, that would have been to have them there. Yeah, yeah, it was. So, After you scored under the yeah. post, did you think about going? Oh, I'll just light up a cigar now, and that's me done. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, throw the ball up in the air as high as you can, and, 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 we, and we actually won the game. So yes, yeah, so it was it was good to come back, and it was good to it was a nice feeling to to go out on um, on your own terms. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. Well, yeah. Gary, that's also a nice note for us to probably wrap up on. I just wanted to say again, thank you thank so you. much for for sparing some time to come on the voluntary tackle and, and to hear your insights and and transport us back there during the eighties. Well, thanks, Sam. I hope I've, I've I've taken you back there for some good memories. You've certainly taken me back for some good memories <laughs> over the last half hour, and yeah. happy to have shared those memories with you and, and your listeners. And if you need any uh, transporting back to the eighties, just give me a call. I'm happy to talk to you again. Mate, we'll definitely hold you to that, Gary. Thanks so much for your time, mate. And um, yeah, I'll, hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Good on you, mate. Thanks. Take Amy. it easy, mate. Bye. <laughs>